0: Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, looking at one verse today as we continue through the Lord's Prayer. It's verse 11. And if you were able, please stand and honor the reading of God's Holy Word. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. As Jesus teaches us to pray, He says, Give us this day our daily bread. Pray with me, please. Lord, as we approach your word, we recognize that it is an errant and infallible, the only rule for faith and practice, that the grass might wither, the flowers might fall, but your word stands forever. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will work among us today, opening opening our hearts and our minds to receive your Word. Prepare us this day. Remove every distraction, whether it might be mental or physical or emotional or spiritual. Remove that that we might focus upon the preaching of your Word. Direct us, Holy Spirit, fill me that I might speak and preach in a manner pleasing in your sight. Lord, today may you continue to teach us how to pray. Draw us to yourself, mold us and shape us into your image. Let us see um, how you're teaching us to approach the throne of grace as we enter in this part of the prayer, Lord, that you're teaching us to pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Today, let's start with a review. Let's see where we've been and where we are. Three weeks ago today, we started our series on the Lord's Prayer, and we learned that Jesus is teaching his people how to pray, and in doing so, he gives us a model or an example. I mentioned my baseball coach who gave me a great model of how to hit a baseball that I watched him and learned from him and learned how to finally hit a baseball. Well, Jesus is giving us a model on how to pray, how to approach the Lord in prayer. And we learned a couple weeks ago that the Lord's Prayer has two main parts. First of all, verses 9 and 10 of the first part, and that's what we call God first in verses 9 and 10. And in the second part, verses 11 through 13 talked about man's needs, so we said it's man's second. So God first, man second. And as we look through Scripture, we've, we found that that pattern is everywhere in the Bible. So in the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments, God first, man second, because the first four commandments deal with man's relationship to God, and the last six is man's relationship to other people. So God first, man second. In the New Testament, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Again, he told us, God first, man second. The greatest commandment, he says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So God first. Then love your neighbor as yourself. So man second. And as we come today, we're to that point where we have already covered that first part. That is God first. So let's remember, let's go back and... Review what we've learned when we learn God first. First of all, we learned the preface, our Father in heaven. We learned that God is transcendent yet imminent, that He is infinite yet personal at the same time. He's Abba, Father. And then we looked at the first three petitions, again, which taught us God first. We talked about God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, that God's name is to be hallowed, to be prized to be praised. We're to sanctify the name of God. We learn that God's kingdom is to come, or God's kingdom, we should say, has come, is here now, and will be consummated in the future, and that Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And that kingdom, of course, is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. And then last week, we talked about his will. The will of God, talking about that secret will of God, which no one knows but also the revealed will of God, which He gives to us in the Scriptures. And we are to live out and even to pray God's revealed will, that His secret or decorative will might be worked out in our lives. So all of that was the first part of the Lord's Prayer, God first. Well, today there's a shift. The pattern changes. We're moving from that God first into man second, part of the prayer, and today we're looking at what's called the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, which is, give us this day our daily bread. But we need to remember something. As we study this second section, this man's second, we can't study it being separated from the first section. That we need to recognize that everything that God is saying to us in this second part needs to be viewed through the lens of the first part. That man's need needs to be viewed through, first of all, God getting the glory in His name, in His kingdom, in His will. We need to be mindful of that as we approach this second section. But today, again, it it does shift. Jesus teaches us to come and to ask His Father... For something for man's needs. If you have your bulletin with you today, look on the back of your bulletin. There is an outline on the back of your bulletin. As we go through this one verse, this verse 11, and we're going to break down some of the words found in this verse. First of all, we're going to look at the word "give." Secondly, let's look at the words "us" and "you." Thirdly, the phrase "daily bread." And then finally, we'll zoom in on Jesus Christ, who, of course, is the bread of life. But this verse, this one verse, verse 11, starts with a word. And that word is give. Give. As we examine this word, let's first of all examine what it's not saying, what Jesus does not tell us to say. Jesus, as he tells us to approach the Father, doesn't tell us to say, sell. God, sell me daily bread. He doesn't say, trade or swap. In other words, don't come to the Lord and say, God will trade you or swap you some of what I'm doing, maybe for some provision that you would have for me in my life. No. Those words aren't found. Not sell, not trade, not swap, but what? Give. Jesus is saying that, his, that the children of God need to come to their father and ask, say, Lord, give. Give us this day our daily bread. And beloved, what that shows us is absolute dependence by us towards God on his goodness, on his gifts towards us. It reminds us of Psalm 24, which says, "...the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof." It teaches us that everything actually belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's, tis. And because the earth is the Lord's, all things that we have, they're gifts from God to us. James says it this way, "...every good and perfect gift..." comes from the Father of lights, that God hands us things that we need in our lives. Think about the Old Testament and how God gave his gifts to his people in the Old Testament. We remember the story of the exodus. The children of Israel watched as God brought ten plagues upon Egypt. They went out of the land. They watched God provide for them to cross over the Red Sea. They got across the Red Sea and they turned and watched the waters crash down on the Egyptians. And even after all of that, even after they saw God's provision every single day for their lives, they complained against Moses and they complained against God. Moses, why did you bring me out here just so I could starve to death? We don't have anything to eat. We don't have anything to drink. We'd be better off in Egypt. And God, out of His grace, out of His goodness, out of His gifts, He gave. He gave to His people. The Bible tells us that bread fell from heaven. What is it? Manna. Bread that came onto the ground every single day. Six days a week. You collect twice as much on the sixth day. Because of the Sabbath. But not only am I going to provide you bread, I'm going to provide you a meat, quail, the Lord provided. Well, Moses, that's not good enough because I'm thirsty. I've got this food, but I don't have anything to drink. God provides and gives water to His people. He's an amazing, good God who loves to give gifts to His children. If your Bibles are still open to Matthew 6, look one page over to Matthew 7. You fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus continues to talk about the giving nature of our Heavenly Father in Matthew 7, starting with verse 9. Jesus says, "Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The first word of this fourth petition, give. Jesus is asking us to humble ourselves and come and lean and depend upon God. Because God is a good, good Father. If you ask Him for bread, He's not going to give you a stone. If you ask Him for fish, He's not going to give you a snake. He loves to give gifts to His children. Think about this in your own life. What has God given you to sustain you in this life? Is there food on your table, drink in your cup, clothes on your back, shelter over your head? The things that you have, do we recognize that they are gifts from God? The earth is the Lord's, yet the Lord chooses to give back to us in giving us these gifts. You know, someone will hear this message and say, well, Pastor Adam, if God is a giver and he likes to give gifts to his children, well, that means I don't have to do anything. I don't have to work at all. I can just sit and wait on God to give. I don't have to work or have any kind of ethic in my life towards work. Well, certainly we see that and hear that, but we find that Scripture says that is completely unbiblical. This is what... The book of Proverbs says in its sixth chapter, giving us an illustration through an ant. It says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you Like a robber and want like an armed man. Yes, God is a giver, He's a giver of all good things, and He gives to His children. But He teaches us within this world to work hard. In fact, He tells the Thessalonians, If you don't work, you don't eat. Have a very high work ethic. In Ephesians, He says, Instead of stealing someone else's stuff, do something useful with your own hands so when someone else has a need, you can actually help the other person. It's a very strong work ethic. So Jesus is teaching us in this text, yes, trust God. Yes, ask God for provision. But all the time you're doing that, work hard. Work hard. Secondly, today, we see the words us and our. Look again at the text. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Not give me my daily bread. Give us our daily bread. What is Jesus doing? He's pushing us to be concerned for the whole body of Christ. Calvin says it this way. He says, Jesus is teaching us to pray together as the whole body of Christ in harmony with one another and with compassion for one another. So is this a prayer for ourselves? Yes, but that's not all. This is a prayer not only for ourselves, but for the Lord's people. When we pray us and our Jesus is actually teaching us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are asking God to provide for others, not just ourselves. You know, this type of love, this type of, of expression through the body of Christ, it's actually found in the early church. The last two weeks we had our uh, link class here at Redeemer, the last two Friday nights, and it was a couple Fridays ago, we looked at this text together as a link class And said, what does the early church look like? How would you describe the early church? This is from Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, describing the early church. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing all the proceeds to all as any had need. In the early church, believers were attuned to the physical needs of other people. And they voluntarily, out of their hearts, wanted to give to those people to help supply those needs. So just as we are to ask Jesus for daily bread, we as the church are to also look for those people in need and to actually help them. That's what the Good Samaritan did. You remember that story? The Bible tells us there was a man, he was beat up and left for dead on the side of the road, just laying there. He had been robbed. A priest passed by. Priest passes by on one side, doesn't do anything. A Levite passes by, doesn't do anything. And the Samaritan passes him by, and when he does, he sees the man and has compassion on him. Jesus says that he bound his wounds, he poured on oil and wine. He even paid the innkeeper to take care of him. When the Samaritan had an opportunity, he gave of himself just as God had already given to him. So the question comes to us today, like it did in the early church, like it did to the Samaritan. When the opportunity presents itself, Are we ready to give to others as God has given to us? Is that same compassion of the early church in our hearts, the same compassion that the Samaritan had, is that in our hearts? Jesus teaches us it should be give us this day our daily bread. That is a prayer not only for ourselves but for others as well. Keep that in mind. Thirdly today, we get to the expression daily bread. What is Jesus talking about with daily bread? Certainly it talks about food and the daily need for food, things that are physical. It could also be that which is material, things that we need to get through this life. Now, Here's a question. Is it wrong to pray for physical things? I mean, shouldn't our prayers just be about spiritual things and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and um, growing in our sanctification? Shouldn't that just be the only prayer that we pray? Well, as we read the Bible, certainly it's not. In fact, it was the Apostle John who wrote in 3 John verse 2, he talks about praying for good health. He says this in 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So one of the reasons we have a prayer list and we lift up the physical needs of our congregation and those we love is because the Bible teaches us to pray that way as part of our daily bread, our physical, material needs. But here's where we need to be careful. Because when we pray for our daily bread, that is our daily material and physical needs, we need to make sure that the things that we're praying for help us live out the first part of that prayer. And here's where we connect the dots. Again, as I mentioned before, we can't pray the second part Man's second. We can't pray for man's needs by just forgetting about the first part. Because the things we ask for, the things of material and are physical in nature, whether it's food or something material, those things have to be viewed through the grid of the first part of that prayer. What does this mean? It means that the things we ask for, our daily bread, our physical things, they should help us do what? Hallow the name of God. They should help us, they they should help the kingdom of God to come into this world. And they should be in the will of God. And when we find ourselves praying for things that are not going to hallow the name of God, that are not going to help the kingdom of God expand, and are not in line with the will of God, we should stop praying those things. Because if God is not first, if the things of this world are not going to be glorifying to God's name, His attributes, His will, His kingdom, then we should not have them in our lives. So let me just stop right here. Do you see how Jesus is teaching us to pray? Look, we're talking about daily bread. We're talking about food and drink. Well, remember what Corinthians says. Whatever you eat, or whatever you drink, or whatever you do, do it all how? To the glory of God. To the glory of God. If our daily bread, the things we are asking God to provide for us physically in our health and our needs, if this is not going to glorify or hallow the name of God, if it's clearly against the revealed will of God, stop praying it. And what you're finding is that in prayer, who's the one being changed? It's not God, it's us. Because God is pulling us and reigning us in To things that only hallow his name, bring his kingdom, and do his will. And we learn to pray for things for our needs that are in agreement with that. This word daily has been talked about a lot in commentaries. Daily bread. What does that mean? Well, certainly, and Sproul wrote about it in his book, if you're reading the book on the Lord's Prayer with us as we go through this that in the first century context, many times that bread only lasted one day. It spoiled. Why? It didn't have all the preservatives we put in it today, right? That you literally had to buy bread every day if you wanted a good piece of bread. But for you and for me, when we think about that phrase, daily bread, I think the application here for you and me is a constant daily dependence upon God. You see, God's desire for His children is that they lean on Him, trust Him, and be sustained by Him not once a week, not once a month, not once a year, but every single day. Christianity is so daily. That's why Jesus said it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, that is the needs of your your physical and your material lives. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Are you trusting and depending upon God today? Today? to sustain you, to care for you. And then finally, our last point today. Let's talk about Jesus, for He is the true bread of life. In the Gospel of John, one of my favorite themes in the Gospel of John is the seven I am's. Seven times in the Gospel of John Jesus says I am and then he goes on to explain who he is. You know some of of them I'm sure. I am the Good Shepherd. I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. There's another one in John chapter 6 Jesus says it in verse 35. Jesus said to them, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Give us this day our daily bread, our physical, material needs. Now Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Let me give you some context why Jesus is saying this. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. It was a miracle. There were 12 baskets of food left over. And then Jesus left and he went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And it says, The next day people came to him, but they didn't come to him because they thought he was the Messiah, God's chosen one. They came to him because they were hungry. They were hungry. They were just like me. Eat a meal today. I'll be hungry tomorrow. Starve to death. Let's eat. I shouldn't say that right now. Y'all are starving to death. What am I doing? No. (laughs) They came to him because they were hungry and they wanted another meal. Well, Jesus used this as an opportunity to teach them a spiritual lesson. Jesus talked a little bit about the manna that used to come down for Israel that we spoke of a moment ago, that that was their daily bread. They would collect it Every day they would eat of it. They would need to eat again the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And And there was this constant gathering of food because their stomachs were constantly empty. They'd fill up and get empty, fill up and get empty. Well, Jesus comes and talks to them and teaches them a spiritual lesson. And he says to them, yes, you need food for your stomach, but if you eat something today, you're going to be hungry tomorrow. Jesus says, let me talk to you about a better bread, a spiritual bread, because there's another type of hunger going on in your life, and it's in your soul. Because your soul is empty without God. Yeah, your stomach longs for bread and for drink, and you could eat something today and be filled up, but you're going to still be hungry tomorrow. But Jesus says, let me tell you how I can feed your soul. And by the way, Jesus says, if you eat the bread and drink the drink that I'm talking about, you will never be hungry and you will never be thirsty because Jesus, I'm the bread of life, he says. Jesus will satisfy every hunger and thirst that you have spiritually. Then he says, come and feed on me. See the difference, Jesus says. Unlike physical food, I'm not temporary. I'm eternal. I won't last just for today, where you have to go collect tomorrow, but I will last forever, for eternity. I will never spoil. I will never have maggots. You remember that that manna? Don't keep it more than one day, because if you do, it will spoil. They tried that in the Old Testament. What happened? It spoiled. Jesus says, I'm never going to spoil. I'm going to last forever. So if you're hungering and thirsting today for a relationship with God, Jesus says, I am that living bread I will fill your empty soul. You will never be hungry. You will never be thirsty. Feed on me. And if you're here today without Jesus Christ, I want you to know that today you can feed on Him by grace through faith. Come to Him acknowledging your sin, turning from it, repenting of it, embracing Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Beloved, as we close here today, let's first remember that God asks us to ask Him to give, not to trade or swap, not to buy, but to give, because every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Listen, if you ask Jesus for bread or for bread, do you think He's going to give you a stone? If you ask him for a fish, do you think he's going to give you a serpent? That is not how he works. He is a good father who loves to give gifts to his children. But let's remember that when we ask him for our daily bread, let us ask it through the lens of hallowing his name, expanding his kingdom, and doing his will. That's how we know how to ask. Secondly, let's remember the us and our that the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for others in the body of Christ. It's teaching us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember the concerns of the early church. Remember the concerns of the Good Samaritan. Let's live them out in our own lives. Thirdly, do you have that daily dependence upon God for daily bread? Or are you worried and anxious about things to come? We should depend on him every single day. And instead of being anxious, we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then finally, have you eaten of the bread of life? Some people love Christianity because they love having a free meal. That's why those people followed Jesus. They didn't follow him because he was the Messiah, they followed him because they gave him a free meal he gave them a free meal and they were looking for another one. Remember, you can eat a free meal, but you'll still be hungry tomorrow. Jesus says, I have something better for you. I'm the bread of life. If your soul is empty, if you're looking for constant nourishment from God, feed on me. Jesus says, your soul will never be hungry. Your soul will never be thirsty. For Jesus indeed is the bread of life. Pray with me, please.